So when I was in uh, kindergarten, I had my first crush. Her name was Marianne Nelson. Marianne Nelson wasn't like the other girls. She colored inside the line. She didn't eat glue. She was the perfect girl every kindergartner boy dreams about. So it just so happens that Marianne actually rode my bus. And so there was this one day when I am sitting directly behind Marianne Nelson. She's in the seat in front of me. And I decided I was going to go ahead and try and get her attention. And so she's sitting in front of me. So I tap her on the shoulder and she turns around and she pokes her head just barely up over the seat, giggles and goes away. As a kindergartner, I had no idea what to do. All I know was this little girl was giggling and smiling at me. So I'm like, I'm in. So what I decided to do is we play a little game of hide-and-go-seek, which would maybe turn into more of a -a whack-a-mole, but hide-and-go-seek is probably the better way to say it. So I would tap, she would put her head up, I would try to like get her, and then she'd put her head back down. So we did this for just probably a a couple of minutes as we'd go from bus stop to bus stop, and then all of a sudden I just had no idea what to do, and she popped her head up from behind that seat, and as she did, I have no idea what happened, but somehow... My hand went from being open to being closed. And as my hand made a fist, it made its way towards that front seat. And just as she popped up, I literally punched Marianne Nelson right in the nose. Blood was everywhere. She was screaming. And two things happened. Number one, I could not ride the bus for three months. And my mom had to take me to kindergarten. And number two, Marianne Nelson and I never got together because I punched her in the face. That's how the story of my first crush ended in flames. That is truly tragic, Ryan. Welcome to this week's episode of the New Life Youth Podcast. I'm Anna and I'm here with... Uh, Ryan Brewer. Congrats, I heard you just had a baby. We did, yeah, we had a baby. Uh, We had a baby girl. Her name is Kendall Joy, and it's our second, and we like her so much, we decided we're going to keep her. That's always a good thing. Yeah, so it's been fun. So I have a question. With a, na- with a last name like Brewer, how many nicknames do you have? Oh, there's a lot. There's some that I don't like, and then there's some that I do like. So uh, my favorite is Brew Crew. That one's fine. It's good. All my sports teams did that. That one was good. There was a guy that... Um, Let's just say he took longer to graduate than most, and he gave me a nickname as well. Uh, would you like Would you like to hear that one? Yes, very much so. It's my least favorite, and the nickname was uh, Manure Brewer. <laughs> yeah, that's tough to recover from. It just <laughs> it didn't go well. So my favorite is Brew Crew, and you heard my least favorite. I'm not going to repeat it again. Well, we, we appreciate that. Thank you. It's um, a moment of honesty here. Mm-hmm. So we... This week, we are talking about doubt. Hmm. And personally, I am sometimes confused, is doubt a good thing? Because sometimes it really doesn't feel like a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, we always get questions about doubt. Like, what role does it play in faith? Um, what role does it play? Like, do we not talk about it? Is it good to have doubt? And I think we maybe need to change the conversation that I love when students or when people are facing doubt, because here's what it means. They care. Mm-hmm. And so if they care, uh, then you're going to go through seasons where there's doubt. There's doubt in, in what you believe or, or maybe why you believe it. And it might be because of a situation. It could be because of a relationship. Um, it could just be your own 
uh, journey of faith that you're going through. So I, I think we need to take the stigma off of doubt that it's a bad thing because I honestly think it's part of a healthy follower of Jesus. It's going to be part of the conversation and part of the emotions that we'll feel along the way. So are you saying that you have had doubt? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's in those times that you have doubt that you have a choice. And so when we go through doubt, I think we have a choice of if we're going to ignore that doubt and let it just stay there, or if we're going to go ahead and dive into it. And sometimes, like like you're saying, we get afraid of doubt, or we think that it's not okay to have it, and so we ignore it, when I think some of the best things we can do is actually explore why we're having the doubt and uh, walk through that instead of trying to avoid this doubt in our life. Yeah, I think that is definitely... A really good way to look at it. Well, one of the one of my favorite Bible stories is the story, and his name, his nickname is Doubting Thomas, and so he gets the <laughs> nickname. He's a disciple, and yet his name is Doubting Thomas, and so it's crazy to me. This is a guy who's been with Jesus for three years. Like he's seen miracles of Jesus. He's walked with him. He's heard him teach. He's literally seen him raise people from the dead, and yet he still has doubt. Now, here's the great thing. He's a disciple, and he still has doubt. And so I think the two can coexist, that you're still following Jesus, and yet you're walking through these issues of doubt. And we see there's a story where Jesus uh, rises from the dead, and then he appears to the disciples. And Thomas is there, and, and if you know the passage, he says this. He says, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my hands in your nail marks so I, I see myself. And so he does it, and it's at that point in which he believes. And I think that he has one of the most incredible encounters with Jesus after his resurrection. And it was propelled, not by his faith, but it was propelled by his doubt. And so I think doubt can actually propel us into some great encounters with Jesus in our faith. Hmm. Well, one of the things that, honestly, I struggle with a lot, and, and this is this doubt that goes through my mind, is... You know, just recently, things were going really great in my life. Um, I was really involved in the church, and, and I was feeling like I had a really strong relationship with, with God. And then my mom lost her job, and then some really just hard things happened with money struggles. And I kept questioning, why is this happening? Why do bad things happen in a larger scale all, all over the world to good people? Yeah. That's a, I mean, that question gets asked a ton. Two things uh, that I always think of, and this was one that took me learning this lesson, I don't know, probably over years to figure this one out, and I'm still figuring it out, is, is my faith in a circumstance or is my faith in the person of God? And so if my faith is in a circumstance, I'm going to have doubts more than ever. I'm probably going to shipwreck in my faith because I have faith that God will do what I want him to do. And when we put our faith in that, it's going to lead us to a lot of disillusionment, a lot of disappointment, and our doubts are actually going to turn to despair when we put our faith and our hope in a particular outcome. And so I think as we follow Jesus, we start to put our faith in him, and we start to trust what he thinks is best more than what we think is best. And we start to trust that he has a plan over that we have a plan. And I think in that, some of the times that our doubt comes because a particular outcome didn't happen that we liked when we're actually called to follow the person of God. We don't follow a genie in the bottle that we get three wishes and that's that's what we get. Mm-hmm. We follow God, a supernatural God who knows all, who holds us in his hand. And I think when we see that, then we can trust him instead of trusting a particular outcome. So on that one, uh, that one is one that I'm still learning along the way. The other one is the bad things happening to good people. 
Uh, yeah. that, one, that one's tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just so tough because we don't live in a perfect world. And I think when, when I see suffering, when I see things going on, even this morning, I read about a, a fire that's going on up in Canada where they've already had 1,600 buildings and 88,000 people that have been evacuated. I'm like, why? What's, what's that about? And I think it's because this we have to remember that this world is not what God intended. It's not perfect. And so we have sin in the world. People have free choice. And so I think that we live in that tension of wanting the order and the perfect kingdom that God talks about and yet understanding that right now we live in a world that is full of sin, it's full of suffering, and it's not perfect, but we need to understand that one day it will be. Mm-hmm. You you brought up a really good point about how this world has a lot of sin in it and it's not what God intended for us to live, where, where we live. If I sometimes am very confused because they say that God created everything. So did did God create the sin that is in the world? Well, we, you and I, we have this amazing thing called choice, mm-hmm. called free will, and so if we were forced to love God, it would not be God. If we were forced, um, if we were forced into a relationship with Him, that wouldn't be choice, and it wouldn't be relationship. And so uh, it, it, it's hard when you say, did God create sin? No, he created choice. And so just as Adam and Eve in the garden, they had the same choice that you and I have each and every day. And that's the choice. Are we going to do what God asked? Or are we not going to? And so we suffer the consequence, whether good or bad, either side. When we follow Jesus, we see the blessings of him in our life. When we don't, we see what sin does to our life. And so I don't believe that God created sin but God created us to love not to control Mm. and he created us to have the choice if we would love him back so I don't think he created sin but he created choice yeah these are these are just hard-hitting questions I Um, know wow you're just going (laughs) for it I want to talk about my kindergarten crush again (laughs) well that is a very fascinating story um I have a question though did you ever go through any other grades with her besides kindergarten all, all the way through eighth grade. Oh, okay. All the way through eighth grade. It was it was difficult every time. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that out. That's a sore spot. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so, personally, uh, insecurities. We talk about sin. We talk about just, like, evil and, and really the pain and the cruelty that we have in this world. And a lot of it comes from insecurities mm-hmm. of not feeling good enough. Mm. And there's this doubt that, especially last – yesterday – Yesterday at youth, I was sitting with some friends in small group, and, and someone brought up the question, sometimes I don't think that I am a good enough Christian for God to love me. And that really just hit home because there are times where I feel like someone is always going to be following God better than I am, yep. and I don't know if I, I doubt if I'm good enough. Hmm. The great news about that is you don't have to be. Uh, if we were good enough, we would have no need for Jesus. Like we, we wouldn't need him because we could earn it. Uh, but the Bible is very clear. And it, even in Ephesians, it says, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own works. So don't boast about it. And so I think sometimes we get it wrong when we start to think I can work hard enough or do good enough to get God to love me. Mm. The only way that you and I are in right standing with God is through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made. And so the great thing is when we know God, when we know Jesus and have accepted him into our life, God no longer sees our righteousness, but he sees Jesus's. And so when he looks at us, he sees the sacrifice Jesus made, not what we did. And 
We live in a world and in a culture that wants us to have insecurity, so we'll buy the right product, mm. that wants us to feel this way about ourselves, so we'll spend money or we'll click this ad or we'll like this photo. And so we're constantly berated by this thing that's missing, whether it's you're missing the right clothes or missing the right look or missing the right girlfriend or boyfriend. We see these things that the world wants us to think, and so we always are doubting ourselves because we think there's something better. Uh, and that's just not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works because not because we're good. It's because God is the only one who is good, and he has chosen that the righteousness of Jesus will be in our lives as well. And so it's hard because it goes even like deeper than just our insecurities, but it's where we find our value and our worth. And our value and worth is not on what we do. It's on who Jesus has been in our life. And uh, it's a total switch. It's a total switch from everything else that we see. But it's something that we have to train our mind to think. Uh, God loves me because he created me to love me, not because of the good things that I've done. Mm. There's a lot of really great points. Um, just one thing I want to talk about is how do we make that switch? How do we live in a way... Yeah. No, I think it's great. Number one, you've got to start listening to the right voices. Mm. There are a ton of people spending a ton of money for you to listen to their voice. You need to pick to listen to the right voices. And so I would say this. You need to surround yourself with people that are heading the same direction as you, number one. And so you need to have intentional time with people that are your age, that have your that are heading towards Jesus, and you need to have intentional time in which you guys are encouraging each other. And then I think you need a leader. No one does the mission alone. No one does life alone. And so I think everyone needs a leader that they're following and someone that they can ask these questions and walk through these doubts with and have these open and honest conversations, not just uh, surface-level conversations, but how life is really going and here's the answer to those questions to go ahead and walk through those doubts uh, and make sure you're not walking through them alone. To kind of switch topics a little bit, um, does God ever change his mind? Um, on what? Like on the Seahawks? Or, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, we could pray for a miracle. Yes, Pray Lord. for a good season. Um, Mariners are doing really well this, this season. They are. First in the league. Yes, or... they are. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I got you. Um... About Does God change his mind? About Old what? Testament to New Testament, sometimes you see yeah. a different perspective, an angry to a loving God. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the Bible is clear. It says, uh, God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we serve a God that is unchanging. Uh, the psalmist writes about it. There's uh, numerous times Paul writes about that, of the character of God and the fact that he is unchanging. What changed, I would say, if anything, is our, our standing with God. And so obviously the Old Testament, the, another word for testament is covenant. Another word for covenant is like the deal. And so there was an Old Testament, a way in which we followed God, uh, that had a lot to do with sin and sacrifice, and that was our access to God. But through Jesus Christ now, we have new standing with God. And just so I talked about that Jesus becomes our righteousness, now it's not dependent on us to make a sacrifice to have right relationship with God. But Jesus has done it once and for all. When Jesus actually died on the cross, there was the temple. And the temple, there was a, uh, there was a curtain that separated the inner court from the outer court. And the inner court was considered the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God actually lived. Uh, 
And when Jesus died and cried out, um, it is finished, it says that the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And what it signified is there's no longer a curtain between man and God. There's no longer uh, like limited access. The curtain is torn, and we now have direct access to God. And so the way that we have righteousness with God is now through Jesus. And it's not because God changed. It's because Jesus became the sacrifice that we couldn't be. So Old Testament, New Testament, God didn't change. Our access to him did. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, let me ask you a question. If Please you, do. If it was your day to face your maker, which oh. hopefully it's not. <laughs> Final destination, yeah. <laughs> what would be a question you have for him? Uh, difficult uh, question. I don't know if I would have any. Um, I, I think... There's a there's oh there's there's a Bible verse or not a Bible verse there's an old uh, hymn, and it says that the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace, and so I think when I stand before God I I won't have any questions. First um, Corinthians thirteen talks about it like this. It says uh, we we know in part now and then we will know fully even as we are fully known, and mm-hmm. so I think that um, when we stand before God for the first time we'll be fully known. And we'll know fully. And I think we will only have awe. I, I don't think at that point we will have questions. But, you know, there might be a, might be a question, a sports question that I, I could just never get answered that I wanted answered there. Uh, one or two more questions before you go. I know you're a busy person. But we just talked about when we meet our maker. And I was reading this great book called Velvet Elvis. And this question came up in it, which was... If we, if uh, we can ask for forgiveness in our last breath, why do we strive for a godly life? Which I kind of want to talk more about. What is your religion to you? What is your relationship with God? Yeah, say that quote one more time. Uh, if we can ask for forgiveness in our last breath, why do we strive for a godly life now? Uh, good question, and. Uh... The, the book, great book. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read Velvet Elvis, read it. And then one other book that goes right along with it is a book called Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller. So amazing. Yeah, two books Love that, that book. for, for me, like, were, they shaped my faith. Uh, uh, you know, late high school, early college, those two books were two books that kind of shaped my journey. Um, why? Well, I, I guess it's what's the point? Mm. If the point is that you see God as a get-out-of-hell-free card, then sure. Live your life the way that you want to, and before your, you know, before your final breath, say yes to Jesus. Uh, if you see that that's your get out of jail free car, uh, but I think you're missing out on the essence of everything that a relationship with God is. And a relationship with God is not just a, a way to heaven and a way to escape hell, but it's a way to bring the kingdom of God to earth. We live, uh, as we've talked about, in a time that there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of people who need hope and need healing. Mm-hmm. And I would hate to live in a selfish way that I would think it's my way out of hell instead of seeing myself as an opportunity to bring heaven to earth. And so the kingdom of God, uh, when Jesus talked about it, he said it's at hand. And it's our job as followers of Jesus to bring the kingdom of God and that hope and healing wherever we go. And so I would hate to have such a view that I thought it was only for me and not for those people that God's going to put in my life as well. So, yeah. I think that is really amazing. Um, I, I was reading earlier this week in my Bible, and it was actions speak louder than words. Or, I will show you my faith through my actions. Yes. 
It's in James, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a strong quote for me to remember. So before we wrap up, is there anything you would like, anything else you would like to add about doubt? How can we, now that we have all this doubt, <laughs> um, not only <laughs> about doubt, our yeah. religion, but I mean, you see doubt all over the place with our, uh, with our government and yeah. our sports teams. What can we do about it? I, I would say a couple things. Uh, number one, don't ignore it. Don't just ignore it and be like, yeah, everything's good and put on a happy face. I don't have any doubts. I don't have any questions. The only people that scare me are those that don't have any questions. Mm. And so you should have questions. So I would say, number one, don't ignore it and have questions. And the second thing is uh, find people that you trust. Um, you know, it, it seems like even now with all the political stuff going on, the election going on, <laughs> everybody's mad about something. And you share an opinion and somebody is right there to tell you why your opinion's wrong. And people are looking for fights instead of looking for conversations. And so I would find people that want to have conversations and walk through those conversations together. Walk through the conversations with other people that you know care about your life, that you trust their opinion, and have those conversations together. I just really thank you for being here this week to, to answer some of these questions. Um, it was a good one, right? Yeah, I really appreciate your, your honesty and openness during this. Um, and we will see you next week. All right. Thanks, Anna.